Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Thanks for joining us. It's Friday, January 13th. Policymakers in Colorado envision a future with close to a million electric cars on the road by 2030. But before all those electric cars can hit the roadways, we'll need a way to charge them. That includes in rural areas, not typically electric vehicle hotbeds. KUNC's Ray Solomon spent the day at an EV fast charging station in rural Colorado to learn more. Jason Fleming is fiddling with his credit card at a gas station off the highway in Julesburg, Colorado. He stopped off here with his wife, Abby Barclay, and their two dogs to fill up on an early leg of a 1,200-mile long road trip. Uh, We're coming from Boulder, Colorado, going to uh, Jackson, Michigan. The couple's driving an electric car, so they've bypassed the gas pumps and pulled around to the back of the parking lot, where a lone electric charging station glows LED green in the snow. Thank you. Julesburg sits way up in the rural northeastern corner of the state. It's not an area where locals are driving a lot of electric vehicles. But Colorado has ambitious goals to increase the number of EVs on the road from about 69,000 now to nearly 1 million by the end of the decade. And rural fast charging stations like this one in Julesburg are a critical part of the plan. Hear the electrons? I'm just kidding. (laughs) It can give Barclay and Fleming a full charge in about 30 minutes. The last place we stopped, this is kind of a good top-off point. This one's pretty critical because there's barely any chargers in this this stretch. It gets better once I... Actually, this is the toughest stretch for us. The average range for electric vehicles on the road today is 260 miles on a single charge. But cold weather, like today, hovering in the mid-20s, can cut that short. That's why national and state plans call for fast charging stations every 50 miles along the highway. They have to be there. They have to be there if we want electric vehicles to succeed. Tad Hoosier is with Highline Electric, the distribution company that serves this area. They opened this fast charger here back in August. He says they average just about a charge a day. We're not going to be a high adoption area, but our, where we live is going to be the thoroughfare for a lot of people that have adopted. These, these are for people using the interstate to travel. So this is not necessarily a benefit to locals, but it's there if they need it. No doubt, rural America has been slow to pick up on EVs. There are concerns about vehicle range. There's skepticism about climate change, skepticism that electric vehicles are a solution to climate change. There are old habits that die hard. Even so, engineering professor Ria Kantu warns EV strategies can't overlook the countryside. We need to have infrastructure charging infrastructure in the rural areas. Contu studies transportation electrification at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And she says electric vehicles have become pretty commonplace for local daily driving. But long EV road trips are a new frontier. That's because the charging infrastructure that makes them possible is still emerging in places like Julesburg. Public fast charging infrastructure makes a difference in 
uh, rural locations because it helps complete intercity trips. Kantu thinks there could be a side benefit of all these new rural charging stations, encouraging confidence in the locals. It's a matter of visibility. A station in this region could at some point help the, the residents be more confident that if they adopt an electric vehicle, there's a location there that they could use. Rural enthusiasm for EVs is probably still a few years off. Today, only one electric car is registered in all of Sedgwick County, where Julesburg is the county seat. So for now, the fast charger in this Julesburg parking lot remains a beacon for travelers like Jason Fleming and his wife, Abby Barclay. It's not, it's, this isn't like an ideal stopping place, but it's, you know, it gets the job done. Travelers, that is, who are just passing through. Ray Solomon, KUNC. Major drugstores will soon be able to distribute abortion pills. The Federal Drug Administration made changes to a rule last week that gives women access to the pill at retail pharmacies. I'm joined today by Kate Coleman. She's an expert on abortion access and teaches at the College of Nursing at the University of Colorado Anschutz. Thank you for joining me, Kate. So explain to us exactly what this new rule from the FDA means. So as of right now, what we know is that this change will only impact people in states that abortion is legal and accessible. If abortion is banned or even if telehealth and mailing prescription is banned in a state, this will likely not have a big impact. People still need a prescription with this FDA change, and so they would still have to have a medical provider prescribe the medications. And so in states where abortion is banned, that is not possible. Telehealth is a way to expand care and is very important, but there are a lot of legal barriers to providing telehealth across state lines. We know that people have been traveling to other states to access abortion care. So we have seen an increase of people needing abortions coming here to Colorado. Whether we will see a greater increase for people coming to pharmacies to access that care remains to be seen, but because they still need a prescription for it, we don't anticipate a very large impact for people who are not in states where abortion is legal. So this change will allow patients to talk with a health provider via a telehealth visit, whether that's over the phone or video, and the provider being able to assess them, work with the patient on assessing how far along they are in the pregnancy and whether they have any um, medical conditions that would need further uh, care, which are very unlikely and very rare. And then the provider would be able to call in a prescription to a pharmacy, a CVS or Walgreens, for example, just like with antibiotics or other um, types of prescription medication. What does this rule change mean in states where abortion is illegal? This will be a big impact for people who cannot or don't want to wait for mail order 
they could have more timely access to medication abortion. And it could also have an impact for people who are not comfortable or able to receive abortion and pills to the mail to their home due to privacy concerns. So they would have access to going to um, a pharmacy. So this does broaden the options for patients in states where abortion is legal and accessible by having a little bit more control over the time and the way that they want to have their abortion. Medication abortion is highly safe and very effective. We know it's over 95% effective, even up to 10 weeks in pregnancy, and that less than 1% of people using the recommended medications to end a pregnancy have complications that require additional medical care, such as bleeding or infection. And although the FDA has made great steps today, and it's very hopeful that pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS have announced that they are going to seek certification, there still are medically unnecessary restrictions to accessing medication abortion that we hope in the future um, will be removed. Thank you for speaking with us today, Kate. Thank you so much for your interest in this topic. That was Kate Coleman, assistant professor at the College of Nursing at the University of Colorado Anschutz. You can find more information at fda.gov. As an actor, Sarah Polly's films include The Sweet Hereafter, The Weight of Water, and The Secret Life of Words. Then, as a writer and director, Polly made the challenging stories we tell. And now, she has a new movie called Women Talking. K1C film critic Howie Mofshevitz teaches film at CU Denver. He says that what the women talk about is disturbing and important. For a male viewer, women talking is like being allowed into an inner sanctum where men can't usually go. And as Canadian filmmaker Sarah Polly shows, it's a place and talk that men may pretend doesn't exist. Polly based women talking on a 2018 novel by Miriam Taves, which in turn was based on actual events at a Mennonite colony in Bolivia in the early 2000s. Men in the colony were drugging and then raping women. And when the women woke up bruised and violated, the men blamed either demons or the women's wild imaginations. A young woman named Ona Rooney Mara in an unnamed rural religious colony slowly wakes to see her thighs scratched and bloody, and in a voiceover she speaks to the child who was just conceived. This story ends before you were born. It turns out that the rapists are arrested, but then all the men in the colony leave to post bail, with the warning that by the time they get back in two days, the women must either forgive the rapists or else leave the colony forever. When their vote proves inconclusive, the women choose a small group to decide for all the women among three possibilities. They can stay and do nothing, stay and fight, or leave. The group gathers in the hayloft of the barn to deliberate, and they allow one young man, August, Ben Wishaw, to take minutes. His parents had been excommunicated, but he's returned to be a teacher for the boys, and the women trust him more or less. Women Talking is certainly heavy on dialogue, but it's also a film of striking images. 
The line of women waiting to vote outside the barn, filmed in desaturated color, leaving faint grays, blues, and greens, makes them look lonely but determined to figure out where their lives could possibly go. In the hayloft, light shines in through the spaces between the vertical slats. The women arrange seating with hay bales, and the play of light on their faces highlights mood, the movement of their conversation, and how their characters differ and shift. There's a lot at stake in this religious community. First, following the example of Jesus, they wash each other's feet before they talk, and they believe their very souls may be in peril. Scarface Jans, Francis McDormand, and Salome, Claire Foy, start the argument. It is a part of our faith to forgive. We have always forgiven those who have wronged us. Why not now? Because now we know better. We will be excommunicated, forced to leave the colony in disgrace if we do not forgive these men. And if we are excommunicated, we forfeit our place in heaven. The women talking in the hayloft reject victimhood and take control of their lives in both a social and a cosmic sense, mixing their rage with profound morality. Salome, full of both fury and moral concern, says that if they stay, they'll become murderers. Earlier, she goes after one of the men with a handsickle. Other men, their faces never shown, pull her away, throw her on the ground and restrain her, so her rage makes sense and it's clear that the men take no responsibility at all for what they do. Director Sarah Polly's assembled a fine cast. Besides McDormand, Mara, and Foy, there's Jesse Buckley, Sheila McCarthy, and Judith Ivey. The differences in their voices, in tone and rhythm, gives an electric feel to the movie. And besides the range of thinking, there's the deadline. The men are going to return, and if the women are going to escape this horror, they've got to make their choice and act. Women Talking shows that there's plenty at stake when women reclaim their lives. For KUNC, I'm Howie Mopshevitz. You can hear Howie on Friday afternoons on KUNC. This and more film reviews are on our website, KUNC.org. That's all for today on Colorado Edition. Thanks for listening. The Colorado Edition podcast is posted every Friday. Just hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If there's a story you'd like to hear, send us an email at coloradoedition at kunc.org. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Have a great weekend.